Hi, I'm Doug Wilson. I'm with the Center for Higher Ambition Leadership and Executive Fellow there. And I'm also the CEO of Next Solutions. Welcome to my podcast. It's dedicated to interviewing people who are not only interested in creating great companies that last for a long time, but building great companies that have a social impact, that have an impact on their customers, their suppliers, their community, the people they serve as investors, and doing that in ways that really engage those people. And one of the things I've seen as I've been working around this purpose shift that's going on in our economy, that this sense of creating deeper levels of meaning and deeper levels of engagement with why I am doing what I do, is to think about not just the engagement that we have in our community, but to also think about the products we make. What are those products? What is the impact those products have on and the people that make them? What is the impact those products have on the end customer? And what are those impacts that are made on the planet itself? You know, we've heard of the three P's in business, being able to get that triple net win, and that is with profit, with people, and with the planet. How do you do all three? Well, I have the privilege today of having Bridget Luther with me, and Bridget is uh, a real leader in this whole product innovation space and what she's doing. So Bridget, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. I know you flew down from uh, San Francisco. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you were with the California Department of Conservation. Tell us about that and then how you progressed to the Cradle to Cradle Products Institute and where you are today now. Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. Thank you so much for having me here today. I love Southern California. My parents lived here for 30 years, so this is really fun to be back and also to be talking about this because I think my journey's really illustrated what's going on in the world. You know, I was a regulator. Mm -hmm. I worked for Governor Schwarzenegger five years. I oversaw the regulations of the oil, gas, geothermal industry, the mining industries, and I got very involved with how, you know, how do regulations really work? And what I realized is we really need to go more upstream. A lot of what we're regulating is at the end of the pipe. You know, how much stuff can we have in our air, in our bodies, in our water before it will harm us? And that's really the regulatory job. But what if we went all the way upstream and we actually started making things in a way that didn't harm the planet, didn't have particulates in the air, didn't have toxins in the products? What would that look like? And I got very inspired by William McDonough and Michael Brungard in their book, Cradle to Cradle, remaking the way we make things. And people often forget that second part of their title. It's remaking the way we make things. Hmm. And I brought the book to Sacramento, and I probably passed out 100 copies, and I got very excited about bringing William McDonough to Sacramento. He spoke, and everybody loved him and said, yeah, why couldn't the world be like this? Hmm. And we wanted to really scale up their ideas and working with companies to really build products that have a positive impact on the planet. Hmm. No, I love what Dr. Brungard says, no blaming or shaming. Let's just start from the beginning. Let's just really make products that have this really wonderful way of going around, never going into the grave, no landfill. Everything keeps being reborn into something really wonderful at the end of use. That's the whole cradle-to-cradle -cradle philosophy. Hmm. So... 
Cradle to cradle, is, it, is another synonym for that the circular economy? Is that the same construct? It is, it is. So the whole idea of the circular economy is building a world where things just keep going around. We can just we can start eliminating mining and destruction of trees and those kinds of things because every the person that's designing the product has decided they're going to get it back and they're either going to or they're going to let you compost it. You know, they're going to get it back. Think about this, a washing machine. Mm-hmm. You don't really need the machine, you need clean clothes. Mm-hmm. So the washing machine, would, they would just be leased to you. So you're going to do 500 loads or 5,000 loads. And at some point, the washing machine company is going to come back and they're going to bring you a new washing machine and they're going to take away the old one. So you always are participating in new technology. Hmm. One of the things that it's it often is described as, you know, you know, always rebirthing that new product into something more amazing. So tell me about what are what are the elements of a cradle to cradle product that's certified how does a company think about this so it's five things and it's really about creating that world where the circular economy works how have i designed my product have i designed it for reuse have i designed it for composting Hmm. what am i designing it with what are the materials i'm using are they safe for people are they safe for planning are they going to have any kind of impacts how do i make new materials Hmm. will i commit to making my product with renewable clean energy can I commit to making water clean on the way out? So it's not just less water. It's all about the whole water stewardship angle. Hmm. And then everybody making the product is being treated fairly. Hmm. You know, what does that look like within a company? And then there are stages where you get started, you get a basic certification, and then you go up to bronze, silver, gold, and then finally a platinum product where everything's safe and healthy. It's completely 100% renewably powered. You know what people are being paid. You feel good about it. And you've got clean water on the way out of the factory. Fascinating. So tell me, give me a couple stories of people that uh, went from products that were toxic kind of products, actually making platinum certified cradle to cradle products. <laughs> yeah, we have, we actually don't have any platinum certified products yet. We have components that are platinum. We have companies that have platinum under the material health certification. We have platinum on on uh, material reuse. We have social fairness companies. Certainly they've reached platinum, but they don't. They have to have platinum on all five things. In order okay. to be platinum. So they have a lot of gold. And the companies that have decided to do this said, well, what if we created a carpet that kept recycling? What would that look like? It would not be a carpet made out of recycled bottles. It would be a carpet that was made out of carpet over and over and over again. Shaw Industries is the best example of this, and they're a Berkshire Hathaway company, and they make a lot of money, and they're a $4 billion company, and on the back of their carpet, it says 1-800-CALL-SHAW, and when you finish with that carpet tile, you call them, they're taking it back, and they're actually disassembling that carpet and turning it into a new piece of carpet. Hmm. And carpet manufacturing is one of the manufacturing uh, companies that are still in the U.S. It hasn't been, we haven't taking that offshore because basically it's too heavy. It's hmm. too heavy to make money on car- bringing carpet back and forth across the ocean. Hmm. So they've been very successful with this. They have marketed it. Cradle to Cradle Certified Products are um, very well known in the building industry, hmm. for example. Some other examples, there is a styrofoam um, that's made from a mushroom product. Hmm. So we, you would get a package and it would be packaged in Ecovative mushroom packaging instead of throwing that styrofoam in the garbage garbage you would actually take it and put it in your garden because Mm. it causes a mushroom base all it is is just a mushroom netting that's put into some sort of substrate like 
grass or corn stalks or something that some farmer didn't want. They build it up around it. They make this bowl. They ship it. Dell uses it. It's part of their computer packaging. Mm. And you just put it right into your compost pile. So you don't have to worry about getting rid of styrofoam, which lasts for thousands of years. And and there's it doesn't really biodegrade very well at all, does it? <laughs> it does not biodegrade. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it's very toxic making it as well. So there's some so there's some aspects of this, not only the person that's using the product, but also the people that are their health is being impacted by the manufacturing. Yeah, when you walk into a manufacturing plant and you see everybody in a spacesuit you have to ask yourself, is this a good thing? <laughs> I would say the same thing. You don't want that. That's why it's really interesting that the companies that have decided to go down this path, and they really have to kind of get it into their company DNA, mm -hmm. amazing things happen. I mean, people get so happy. Absenteeism is reduced. They're excited to come to work because not only do they know that their company has really invested their own health, mm -hmm. they're also invested in the health of the world. Mm -hmm. And that feels like they're bringing their values to work. Hmm. And that's just a very important thing. I mean, Herman Miller, they completely redesigned their factory. They daylighted it. They started using cradle to cradle principles. You know, if you get a Herman Miller chair now, it doesn't come in a new. It doesn't come in a box. It comes in a blanket. It's wrapped up in a blanket. You get the chair. The, the blanket goes away and goes back to the factory. So wow. it's just really interesting things where. You know, someone decided that they really wanted to be on this positive path and really participating in this whole idea of a circular economy. So, uh, Herman Miller, interesting. Uh, I know Brian Walker, the CEO, very committed to this kind of thing. So, tell me about, uh, I've heard the story, but it would be great to hear it from you on their foam and that they they wanted to get rid of foam, as I understand <laughs> it. And tell me about foam. What's bad about foam? <laughs> so. So foam has a lot of cancer-causing agents in it. It's just mm. the nature of it. And then you have to spray it with a fire to retard. I think I'm sitting on a foam chair yeah, here. Even now. <laughs> um, after so many years, it does off-gas, and you're not going to be affected by it. But they just decided, what if we could make a chair with that foam? And that turned into the Aeron chair. So well, it The just, most popular chair of all time, basically. Yes, and very comfortable, too, right? Mm -hmm. You don't miss the foam at all. Right. Your back is supported, your your bottom's supported, and you feel very good about the chair. And it's a, it is a very comfortable chair. And it all came out of this sort of innovation on how do we get rid of the bad materials in chairs? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Now, there is foam now that's being made that is, is much cleaner. And um, so I can't say that all foam chairs are bad, but I really mm -hmm. like the air on chair. And, it's really popular as well. So uh, what's key here is it starts with a mindset. And how do you describe the mindset that's required to make this work? It's really interesting because a couple of years ago, we actually started to survey the companies and say, why did you decide to get your products Cradle Cradle certified? 80% mm -hmm. of them said, because I read the book, Cradle to Cradle. I heard somebody talk about Cradle to Cradle. I saw somebody on television. Usually it was Bill or Michael, or maybe it was me. We we're all talking mm -hmm. about it. And they just decided they were going to do it. You know, they just said, what if I started on this path? What it, would it look like? And the nice thing about the certification, it's very straightforward. It's It gives you benchmarks. It gives you goals. It gives you time. Mm -hmm. So you have time to get toxic materials out. You have time to redo your production facilities. You have time to really look through your supply chain, talk to your suppliers. You know, one of the things, a lot of companies just don't know what's in their product. They really just don't. They don't say, send me the blue dye for the T-shirt 
that doesn't cause cancer. They just say, send me the blue dye. Mm -hmm. So if we could send the right messages up the supply chain, then we will have those changes. And that's what happens through this process is getting into your supply chain. What is really in my product that is harmful to my employees and the people that are putting it together and making it harmful to my customers? I had no idea. Right. Very interesting process to watch companies go through this and the information that they get and the changes that they have happened. I, I'm tickled thinking about a, a purchasing agent getting the order that says, send me the blue dye that does not cause cancer, please. <laughs> and they're thinking, oh my gosh, what is the liabilities we've been sending out? And what you're saying is, is, is there actually a blue dye that doesn't cause cancer? There Tell is. Me. There is a blue dye that doesn't cause cancer and a lot, and there are, and so one of the things that happening at the Institute is sort of like that we develop is this whole idea around fashion positive. Mm. You know, what if clothes had a positive impact on the planet? What would that look like? And there are lots of different companies that are involved with this mm. in trying to look at their supply chain and where are their clothes going and do we get them back and mm -hmm. can we make them into clothes again? Mm -hmm. There's a really fascinating company in London that's actually taken a cotton fiber out of a used t-shirt and using it again as another cotton fiber. And this is just game changing sort of in, because most cotton just gets shredded or turned into rags or something like that at the end of mm -hmm. use. Of course, most clothes do get reused over and over again. Mm -hmm. They might not be you and me, but they are being sent around the world to people that want last year's styles. Mm -hmm. But there is a nice little movement that's going on in the fashion industry right now, which mm. um, is kind of on the forefront of what's happening with people and what they wear. So. Here's what I think about when you're talking. I think about mindset. And my experience with CEOs is mindset is everything. I have a mindset around wanting to build a company that has a purpose that I'm proud of and has a purpose that brings dignity to people. It brings involvement with people in their community of giving back and I know that my customer is not just getting a fair deal or a good deal, but my customer is getting a deal that is a premium deal. That when I sell them something, it has a healthy quality to it. I'm not giving them something that's toxic, something that's going to hurt them, something that's going to hurt their child. I know and I'm proud of the fact that we have designed something that is with an abundance mentality, if you will. And there's almost a spiritual uh, or moral imperative here that the CEO has to bring to the table. Um, I don't want to sound moralistic, but I do think people that I've seen, the great leaders, do have this way of thinking about a leadership philosophy that is grounded in is this doing good for people? Is what I'm doing good for people? What do you think? Do you see that with these CEOs? We do see that a lot, but it's also, I think it's a, a future orientation. Hmm. It's, about, it's about thinking about, okay, we're running out of water. Okay. What does that look like? How mm. can I get out in front of that? So it becomes a very strategic thing in as well. So I know that I want to do something good for that planet. What does that look like? And here you have 200 companies that have gotten their products credit credit certified. I don't have to reinvent this. I can learn from them. Mm. I can see what they've done. And over and over again, they, they make money. 
Hmm. They still make money. They learn how to tell their story to their customer in a way that gets them more customers. They learn how to market their their journey in a way that becomes very valuable to their brand. Mm -hmm. And it also helps them be honest. You know, hmm. one of the things we find over and over with consumers is, do I trust the company? Hmm. I want to be part of something that I can trust. I don't want to have people lying to me about what's in their product, what's not in their product, what kind of, have they really made that commitment? Oh, I see that cradle cradle certification on renewable energy means that you're actually making your product in the silver with 25% renewable energy, at gold, 50% renewable energy, and at platinum, you're doing 100% renewable energy, and you're really trying to move toward 100%. And so it, that path is sort of there, which makes it a little less scary. So taking that vision mm -hmm. and being able to implement it, I think is really important. And then you also feel, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. um, other other companies have done this. They haven't. They've been able to answer to their board of directors, their shareholders, in a way that's very positive. Mm -hmm. There was a company that makes toilet paper, mm -hmm. and their sale, and they decided that they would make it without the brighteners that are very destructive to water. They got a cradle-to-cradle -cradle certified gold product. They put a whole marketing cam campaign around it. They said black is the new green, and they called it Santino Black. Hmm. Their sales doubled and then tripled hmm. because they told their story in a way that felt very honest and was true, and their customers really responded to it. Hmm. Hmm. So I see that a lot with... CEOs are being hit by so many things and like, where do I start? Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about this is just this sort of process. So here's where I start. What's in my product? How much energy am I using? What does my water footprint look like? Am I treating people fairly? Have I designed my product so that it could be reused? The other thing about the Herman Miller chair, you can take it to part with a screwdriver. Now, the, the chairs are not going back to Grand Rapids, but if someone gets that chair, there's super valuable material in there. There's, there's aluminum, there's nylon, there's steel casters. Each one of those materials will be valuable to someone else. Maybe not Herman Miller. Maybe they don't really want that chair back. They want to sell a new chair, but there may be a point in time where they're like, I'm going to give you a contract on that chair, and at the end of use, and you get tired with it, you want something bigger, smaller, different color, you call me, I'm going to come get it, because those are super valuable materials. Hmm. That, that is fascinating. So there, I like your, your future orientation, thinking about the world and how I'm going to leave it in a better place for the future and our responsibility to this. So tell me about like um, companies that say, well, the customer really doesn't care. And if they don't care, my responsibility is to compete and it's already hard enough out there. How can you expect me to think about trying to add this in as one more variable? And I can't even afford a 1% increase in the cost of my product. Well, what we often find is people, in the companies end up actually saving money. You know, there is a really interesting story in the book about um, how Dr. Brungard and William McDonough went and they worked with a textile manufacturing company hmm. and they had like 5,000 dyes in their textiles and the trimmings from the dyes were hazardous materials. So they, they would cut the fabric and then those little pieces on the side were hazardous because of all the toxic dyes. They actually had to ship those pieces from Switzerland down to Spain. That was a huge expense. Hmm. They could not bury them in Switzerland and say, oh, this is toxic. So they went into the factory, they got rid of all the toxic dyes, and they ended up having all these clean dyes, so they saved themselves money. You know where those trimmings are going now? Compost for the local farms. 
Hmm. They're not going to Spain into some toxic waste site. And so the savings also in the number of dyes that they had to use was significant. So they saved the shipping costs and save. So those are the kinds of things that you don't think about as you sort of go through this process, because you are, you think, oh, doing the right thing is going to be more, but it actually ends up being less. Hmm. Steelcase decided to go 100% renewable energy. For every dollar they saved on energy efficiency, they put 50 cents into renewables. Hmm. It took them eight years, but in eight years, they, be, they actually bought a wind farm. Hmm. So all their manufacturing is actually offset by this wind farm down in Texas. Hmm. So you can see how it was just a planning process. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to account for it. And along the way, they ended up. So now all of their growth is on renewable energy. Hmm. So it's very powerful for their employees as well. Absolutely. And Steelcase is a huge. They're the largest um commercial furniture manufacturing in the world. Yeah. So they're also, they have 80% of their products are cradle, cradle certified. Wow. And they use it also as an innovation engine. Mm-hmm. You know, every time they get a new product, you know, what's everything before they even start to design the product? Are we going to be able to make these criteria at the end? They don't mm-hmm. start at the end and then start to, to back then engineer. figure out, okay, oh, re-engineer, can you, have, yeah. you can't do it's that. It's too late. you got to have this, the spec levels up there in the front. Yes, and then the other companies that get Cradle Cradle certified, of course, the companies that have done really amazing things with their product, like Playworld. Playworld has a whole uh, system of playground that they took all the cancer-causing plastic out of it. Hmm. And by taking that plastic out, they wanted to be able to tell the world what they've done. They got Cradle Cradle certified so they could say... We've taken it out, and here it is. It's verified. We just want the world to know that this is what we've done. Hmm. Um, B Green Packaging, the same thing. They make uh, packaging out of a bulrush, and it's all compostable, and it's the little containers at Whole Foods, Hmm. those little brown containers. That's all B Green Packaging. Hmm. And they wanted to tell the world, you know, we're doing the right thing. Cradle, cradle certified. So it's it's it works both ways. You do a lot of things, and how do you tell your customers about it? It's sort of a short cut to kind of cut through all the other craziness. AGC glass, same thing. We just, there's so many labels out there. What are we going to do? We put Cradle Cradle certified. They're the largest glass manufacturer in Europe. Fantastic. These are, these are fantastic stories. And uh, I think what you've done is you've set a framework that it's number one, there's a mindset that the CEO has to have. Number two, in that mindset, it's a philosophy about thinking about the future about thinking about criteria that uh, fit these five points that you just walked through. And then number three, you got to develop a process right up front and engineer that into your whole process at the very beginning. If you do that, and then you got the metrics to measure with this, these standards, there's actually hope. There's hope for you and you can market this in a very positive, authentic way that's coming because you are committed to the planet, you are committed to your customers, not having cancer-causing product, not having waste, being able to be a part of the solution in creating a better world for the future. Bridget, thanks so much for being with me today, and I'm gonna interview you uh, in a second podcast where we're gonna focus on the home and building a healthy home. What does that look like? So if you like this interview today, please tune in on my next podcast with Bridget, and we'll be talking about cradle to cradle, building the healthy home, and how you can avoid those cancer-causing, off-gassing 
uh, that's going on in your home, own home and what you can do to put pressure on uh, manufacturers, on home builders. And if you're a home builder, what you can do to make a real difference in designing a community and a home that is much healthier for the cust and customer and is much healthier for our planet. Thank you, Bridget, very much. Thank you for having me.